0: Welcome to the Wealth Building Made Simple podcast with Philip Washington Jr. Today's episode is brought to you by StonehillWealthManagement.com. Today, Philip talks business with mergers and acquisitions expert Xavier Egan. And now, here's Philip.
1: All right, we are back with another episode of Wealth Building Made Simple. I have a special guest, Xavier Egan. What's going on, man? Oh, nothing much, man. Thanks for having me. I think, thanks for coming. Appreciate you uh, hanging out here in the in the Mansfield streets with us. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, I want to give everybody your background, let them know why you're here, because uh, you're, sure. you're you 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 are uh, you have a lot of knowledge on like a big wealth transfer happening. So I definitely mm-hmm. want to have you in the studio to talk about it, but get, give your background. Where are you from, what you do?
2: Sure, I'm originally from uh, Houston, Texas, you know, uh, born and raised, right? Uh, but I've been up here in Arlington DFW area for about 20 years now. Uh, Went to school for accounting and finance and I just really realized that accounting's like uh, the business language, right? Like uh, technologists take ones and zeros as the technology language. So it made it to where it was easy to uh, correlate to different types of industries. And that's really what got me for that love and passion of private equity and mergers and acquisitions and just really knowing about how money transfers and how it works and maybe how we can get involved.
1: Okay. Okay. and, and a lot of people they hear, and when I hear a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, when I first got down the path, I was like, oh, okay, you know, investing, stocks, bonds, cool. Like, like I had evolved into understanding that, like, and wanting to do that in college, but then I got down the path, and I can't, a buddy of mine put me on a, why should white guys have all the fun? That's right. Right? That's and, right. And it seemed like this big, scary thing, right? And then I started meeting more people, and I was like, oh, man, you know, um uh, This is like way bigger than like it's 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 way bigger than what I even understood as an investor. Right. That's
2: right. That's right. I think uh, we're kind of educated more often about uh, the corporate or the public markets. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, I went to accounting and finance school, so I got that same theory uh, of constraints, but I really just had a passion for privately held companies. And I always imagined that there was a lot of uh, opportunity there. And then of course, maybe you know, go two decades back, uh, starting to study things like that, GDP for privately held companies was pretty significant. It was almost the majority of GDP. Today it's about 44%, but that's still $11 trillion or so, right? Uh, so, although we're taught about those large companies and public markets, there seems to be a huge amount of opportunity in the agility and the flexibility and the uh, potential growth of just regular companies, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or, as I like to say, Main Street, you know, mm-hmm. as they coined during the pandemic, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, Main Street. So, let's talk about it. So, and I, and I want to specifically narrow in on the one to twenty million dollar of sure. revenue space because you know I feel like that's a a, a big space of opportunity, right? Spe- absolutely. Specifically, yeah, because small businesses are like the best. Ba- I mean, and you let me know, like, I feel like that's the that's the majority of small businesses. Well, absolutely.
2: If we uh, talk the stats, right, uh, 99% of companies are considered small by SBA standards, right, 500 employees or less. But when you break it down even further, over 80% of the companies have no employees, pass-through companies, you know, real estate shells, things like that, about 16% of those companies have 20 employers or less. Mm. That's maybe about 6 million companies uh, across the 33 million, you know, uh, unity bond we got here mm-hmm. uh, in this business world. So really, to your point, that 11 trillion is really packed in dynamic groups that aren't that huge, mm-hmm. right? So uh, one wanted Ten million or twenty million is probably way more often going to be the case because, heck, only nine percent of all businesses make more than a million dollars. So the majority of companies, unfortunately, aren't turning it up Mm. to the tune that we would expect. I also find it interesting that uh, although so many of us think about uh, you know wanting to be our own boss or uh, dissatisfaction with corporate America is why we want to get out there on our own. 86% 86% of these guys are making less than 100000 mm. by just building and creating on their own. And then the failure rates, needless to say. Mm. So that's where the beauty of uh, why build when you can buy kind of became such a you know dynamic logic. Yeah. And coming from corporate like you, we saw it at you know, billions of dollars or millions even, right? With the Facebook, WhatsApp, or, you know, uh, Apple and Beats Padre. But people really just don't talk about that regular everyday company. Mm -hmm. And for good reason, you know, private is private. (laughs) We don't have to share anything, right? Uh, And so that makes it a little bit different of how we wouldn't as often know that there's a huge opportunity, like you say.
1: Yeah. And and I feel like I was reading an article this morning and we'll get into the nuts and bolts. I was reading an article this morning about it was like Gen X uh, struggling for like retirement and then savings. Like they were very short of what they needed to be on oh, track yeah. for. Same with millennials. It's worse for millennials and even worse for Gen Z when you, when you project it out. Right. And um, but I feel like the business gap, whether you're buying a business, mm-hmm. right, and or you are taking your business and scaling up and making it more attractive to investors, right? You can unlock a, a eleven trillion is a lot of you know, a lot of number right. And and yeah. we're and we're talking about eleven trillion without without scaling it up. That's right. That's right. No
2: growth. That's just 11 solid trillion that's already available to you. Not taking over more market shares or anything, just taking advantage of what's there. So to your point, one of the, uh, you know, I'm all about the stats, right? So uh, 55 and up is maybe 20% of the citizens of our economy, right, in the States. However, respectively, they own about 51% of all the privately held companies. Mm. And one of the gaps these days from a generation to generation is nobody wants to be their parents, no matter how rich, poor, happy, sad, you know, beautiful or not, right? it's that now little Johnny or Junior could be a a millionaire by playing a video game on the weekend he can go be the poker players 23 to 25 making 3 to 5 million a year traveling to exotic places I'm just saying if I had a different time you know a different chance I might have thought different myself right right, right? right. I
1: want to take over the donut shop or play a video game yeah
2: I mean you know we all got a little (laughs) Live in our lives at some point right so just that opportunity makes it to where now you would have to move closer to junior, right? We're both from a different land than we're in today, right? Mm -hmm. So to take over my family's uh, business, if that were a thing, it would look like going to live his life. I've gotta move, take away from everything that I've built, and go back to that place. And that's really not a, a logic anymore, mm-hmm. right, that people are interested in. So where we thought over 60% of us had that legacy trend that we thought we were gonna give it to Junior or Junior, less than 10% of the time, is that real? Mm. They're not interested. Yeah. And so that creates that financial transaction that we're talking about, and when they talk the statistics on how much they believe it is just with the baby boomer shift they believe that's going to be 14 trillion over the next 5 years Crazy. worth of businesses that have to change hands and if junior junet aren't the right people then the question is can you be the right person right
1: yeah that speaks like that's going to be a lot of consolidation then right mergers oh. consolidation mm bought out by investment groups? Well, it depends. So that's the beauty of the uh, deal
2: arbitrage, right? So talking the $1 million 20000000 million isn't as much where a private equity group or investment group from a top side would want to be. They like at least a million dollars and even above, and you may have to add one or two of the small businesses together to do that. Mm-hmm. But think about that. That's still opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Just to buy a couple businesses, do nothing different to them, but combine them to sell them to a bigger guy.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about that. So let's talk about, let's talk first on the buy side, then on the sell side. So Mm -hmm. if I'm a, if I'm a, uh, somebody who's going, yeah, I gotta, I gotta level up my net worth Mm -hmm. to, to, to make up my goal for financial freedom. But I don't know anything about private equity. What you guys are saying is great. I feel, I feel, I feel confident in myself so I can, I can, I can, with a good team, I can figure it out. So like, right. what's my first step for figuring out how do I think about buying a, you know, a business? Well, it uh, turns out
2: just uh, having this conversation, right? Is that first step? Uh, a lot of people just don't realize is since they've been holding real estate, they've been selling real estate. Since businesses have existed, people have been selling them. Uh, It's just where those markets and always mention one of the uh, largest markets out there, just like Zillow is a website uh, called biz by sell where you can see freely openly listed companies that are transactioning Every day, right? And there's 30 to 50,000 of those every quarter Mm. worth of opportunity all across the country in every sector that you might imagine. Now, whether you feel like that's, you know, loading yourself up to a water hose at that point, (laughs) right? Uh, that's kind of where the rest of the team comes in and, you know, maybe a buy side advisor that can help you out or the lawyers or the accountants or wealth managers and things like that that really make that total package to help you make that transaction happen, but it first starts with knowing that there's something else out there, right? And then I think that the second part is people feel that there isn't an access point for them, right? That this is uh private equity talk, you know, above their head where we started, but the idea is how can we use it at a main street level or at the incremental level where we are to grow up to whatever level we want to be? And that's where I go back to the stats. If you know only 9% of businesses are making over a million dollars, we're probably not going to start with $20 million revenue companies, right? Uh, if we just simply started with a million-dollar valued company, it might come with multiple millions top line, but it's going to come with hundreds of thousands of bottom line, which is what a lot of people use as a transition tool, mm-hmm. right? If I left corporate America and I could replace the six figures that I was making, but I'm the boss of all bosses... Well, that's a good start, right? I could come create ideas. I can think about how I want to spend my time. And I've got a team to make sure it happens and the capitalization is happening day one. So because there's regular lending, uh, we're not talking about how private equity has to come up with all the equity. You can use traditional terms like a SBA loan, uh, and you're only required to have a minimum of 10% equity. Mm. So, on a million dollar company, that's only a hundred thousand dollar worth of barrier of entry instead and a hundred thousand dollar they can give you multiple six figures every year is what we call a going concern. the idea that this business was successful before you got there. so hopefully you're not the guy to mess that up
1: uh, so so it it would be the equivalent of thinking of, this will be easier to niche it down for people is like buying a piece of property, right? You're saying, hey, I got uh, if I want to buy an investment rental property, I got to come up with 20%. That's right. right. And you're saying SBA only requires 10%. Now you got to be the operator, but now, you got to operate real estate anyway.
2: You do. And the difference is that on the real estate, we'd be talking about cap rates. The significance of the cash flow... It's so different between real estate and business in regards to capitalization that it takes 30 years on average for the mortgage on the real estate to accumulate, as we call, generational wealth, right? Whereas a business is going to be so heavy on cash that the bank's only going to finance for 10 years and it's still going to work. The deal is going to pay for itself and the requirement of the bank is that it has a salary to pay you because they think you're going to rob Peter to pay Paul. Mm -hmm. Now, most times if we're doing a real estate deal and we put it dollars for dollars that we need a million dollar property that we had to put 20% up at minimum, right? Versus a million dollar business that we only needed 10% to put up and the cash flow. let's say we get 200,000 after our debt service in that business, but best case scenario, we've got a 10 cap. Best. Mm. And you know, they're not a hitting the tens right now, right? <laughs> like, no, no, the interest rate's a little high for that. Yeah. Uh, so, best case to do easy math, you're at a 10. Well, that's starting at 100K, and still you have some service costs that has to come out of that. So, the differential is that we don't even talk in cap rates, we talk in cash flow, yeah. owner's benefit, right? And when you can buy cash flow, you now understand why. M&A is the number one growth strategy globally, while all these large organizations are using that to acquire versus create that customer base. Because negative cash flow is the opposite of that, right? Right. And that's what we do as we start our own businesses, as we invest into ourselves. It comes with hopefully, as uh, Pops would say, you know, we want to make that outcome income, right? <laughs> you know, if you don't make dollars, it don't make sense. Uh-huh. Or as my pops always says to me, son, if you're not making me money, you're costing me, <laughs> all
0: right? And that's I the like
2: reality that. of yeah. building businesses and trying to be great in this kind of society. Whereas some might think of this as a shortcut by buying where someone else left off as the start for you. So I always think of it less of uh, like flipping a house and more like buying your starter home. Mm. When you go and find that home that you're going to go live in with your family, you don't think about the other guys who took a crap in that toilet before you got there, right? You think about how you're going to build out that backyard and put that garden in. You think about how that swing set going to be there for your kid and how you're going to mark on the wall as they grow taller. That's the same way you think about transitioning a profitable, established, performing business, right? There's no distress there. There's just a choice of which style of start do you want to have. Mm. So it's a different way of uh, getting into entrepreneurship, mm. as a matter of fact, and kind of starting your way into business. And instead of being the startup of your own, you start where someone else left off.
1: Mm. No, I like that. I like that. Building building on on, on the foundation of the ancestors that's right uh, man you know and 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 you were talking and you in your experience too I was like oh because I was thinking as you were talking to mine might say well is there enough salary for uh, me and a debt service but most of the time in my experience clients that I work with on a finance plan side who mm-hmm. own a business they're they're paying themselves healthily anyway so well so, so I mean
2: that's the point of a business, right? Right. The owner's benefit. Yeah. Right. Uh yeah. now sure we've got the economic good of buying things and selling things and hiring and firing people. But if you're not taking care of your own family, yeah. what are we here for, right? It's not a, you know, Foundation where we're giving away things, right? So, in the bankability or the financeability kind of state where most people would be, you don't have, you know, 100% of that money to pay. You're going to use 90% from the bank or 85% from the bank, 15% or 10% from you kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, in that case, it becomes an opportunity of leverage, Mm -hmm. right? Where the bank's criteria is number one, the business pays for the bank right? But number two, that it can pay for you. Mm-hmm. Because if you can't get taken care of, who are you going to jack next, yeah. right? Like, yeah. you're not going to pay the bank on top. Yeah. Yeah. So this is nothing like how, say, the opposite transaction in real estate will work. We're sure the bank is okay with the collateral that the real estate can provide if they need to take it from you. But they're also okay with you making revenue from somewhere else, right? And the, the real estate not taking care of you.
1: Mm-hmm. Because
2: if that revenue shrinks from somewhere else, they could just take the real estate. Yeah. In the business case, because goodwill is a lot of the value, the fact that the real value in any business that we create is the profitability that's created out of it. Yeah. You know, those intangible things are great. You know, the sweat that we told and the tears that we had and, you know, the great times with our employees. But if that doesn't convert to actual, you know, capital arrangements, then it's a hobby. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. So so we'll, we'll switch we'll switch to the sell side and I'm going to give a, I'm going to, it's a fake case study, but it's based on real facts. I'm just going to change up some facts. <laughs> let's go for it. So, so let's say you're a business and you're doing, you know, let's say you're doing 10 million of revenue mm-hmm. and, and you were thinking, man, this is a pretty good revenue, right? I could, uh, uh, I can, you know, I can probably sell this thing, you know, for, you know, let's say, let's say, you know, let's make up a number. Let's say I can sell this thing. I got to approached to, to sell it for 20 million, right? Okay. Uh, I'm just making up stuff. Um, but when you look at the math after taxes, you go, well, man, I need it to be worth more because I'm taking out more money and. Salary and dividends than what I'll be able to get from the proceeds of this investment, Mm -hmm. right in retirement. So the question becomes, how do I, how do I, how do I make this a win-win, right? And and I'm using bigger numbers. Maybe we can even use a smaller number where it's you sell it for a million, right? But it's not nearly enough from what you can take it out. How how does a business owner get comfortable listing their business to get the amount of money they want to get? And the exit that makes them comfortable.
2: So I think that goes back to uh, where people go awry up front, right? Which is that in a business plan, it teaches us to begin with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. And somehow we deviate very, (laughs) very far, right? Between us running that business and something happening in the end. Uh, Only 20% of companies actually exit successfully. So 80% of all companies, whether they're 100 years or 100 days old, are going to disappear right? And not in a fashionable way where they're taking care of the owners and they're getting some benefit to it. So that's part of the flaw, right? Uh, So I always say that people should think of uh, a business like every other investment instrument that they have. The idea is to buy low and to sell high, right? And the lowest you can get is negative cash flow, right? That's where you started that company, right? <laughs> that is where it came from, out of your loins of sweat and toil, right? So anywhere above that is a good object, right? And if we think about this like other instruments, it wouldn't be the end with just selling one business. It wouldn't be the end with just this one Movement, the Mm -hmm. same way that we think about employment, where we're happily moving on from one place to another, growing our position, people should think about businesses the same way. So, if eighty-five percent of your wealth, so-called, as a business owner, is tied into your business, but only twenty percent ends successfully, then you probably need to do a little bit more studying up front, right? Mm. About how this fits into your plan. When you look at it just from a financial advisory standpoint, when uh, the advisor is standing there and saying, "Hey, how's this going to fit in your plan?" he's looking at a one-sided equation, right? Whereas, as a person, you can never stop earning. Because what they teach in B-School is that you can retire debt. What they don't teach is that bills never die, mm, okay?
1: Mm, or taxes.
2: Oh, that's a bill. Baby. <laughs> it never dies, okay? Water bill, light bill, tax bill. Uh, baby mama bill, maybe, I don't know, uh, but they
1: never I die. The, I guess those come with money, right? You
2: they get, they get, come get, with get. money, right? And so you can't just be passively earning. There is no wealthy guy who's only passively earning. There are always active investments out there that he's got rolling and rocking and rolling. And so that goes back to, if you're beginning with the end in mind, is this your last toe, right? Is this your last touch? And if it is, well, you've just got to come to the the truth of the matter, right? Is that this is what it's worth. And can I make it more valuable? Absolutely, right? But am I willing to make it more valuable mm. is a secondary can concern, I? I know, right? I like that. I like that. Because we all can, but am I willing, right? Uh, because a lot of people like to live uh, through their business vicariously as a lifestyle, right? Which isn't very transferable, It's not set up for transition. Mm -hmm. It's not set up for exit. So someone might think that that value is there, but after they get into due diligence and figure out all the gaps that they're going to have to fill, how special you are to the organization, then it becomes less and less valuable all of a sudden because they can't continue consistently to perform the way that you performed before.
1: Mm -hmm. And
2: that's what we're buying if we're buying versus building. We're buying the consistency of your performance already. That you've had many tax years of this success, and that hopefully without uh, some customer density or you being the most special guy in the office, this can happen on my watch just the same. And most of us have been uh, semi-successful managers in the right position. So can we manage another org that already has people in place, Mm. already has customers active, already has a strategy rolling? All our job is is to be the conductor. That's of a moving train,
1: right? Yeah, so so I see what you're saying. So so at so if you have a business and you want to exit, don't just think about putting it in, you know, public equities, Bitcoin, real estate. Think about putting some more into another business because you can generate more revenue. That's right. So some people, if we're thinking about
2: business like an instrument, uh, the same as we would go after real estate. We'd buy cash out and buy bigger the next time, right? And if we're using the same other people's money logic uh, with the SBA or some of those groups at the uh, one to $20 million kind of placeholder, which they fit very well, then all of a sudden that's 10% for a bigger company. Mm -hmm. I don't have to put all the money back in, Mm -hmm. right? All I have to do is leverage my 10% or 20% or whatever it is by using that other people's money and the credit and the debt and leverage in the system. So again, if you're thinking the succession and is my business going to be valuable, then that's something you want to talk about today, right? I always say that in succession planning, you want to think about, uh, since it's male dominated in business most often, you want to think about uh, getting a valuation like an annual checkup. Hmm. We're probably not excited to go we're pretty comfortable once we get the results, right? <laughs> oh, I'm not dying. Great. You know, thank you for letting me know that, right? Or, okay, I could do a little bit better on my cholesterol, but no heart attacks tomorrow, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's the same thing about evaluation. If I'm not where I want to be, then how will I ever know if I'm going to get there if I'm not checking on it, if I'm not testing what the mark-to-market is, if I don't understand what the price from a market standpoint would be, how can I ever get a price, because there's a difference between price and value, right? Value is what you assume, right, and in your perspective, right? The price is what's going to be
1: paid for it. Mm-hmm. That's how the deal is going to work. That's, that's real. I, and I want to ask one more question as we wrap it up. Uh, I, I, I pigeon-held us into into the one twenty million dollars space because sure. those are the clients that I interact with the ones I do financial planning for. Um, but I, you know, but I also have businesses that are below. 1 million, like what, what are your thoughts about opportunities in that, you know, lower space to, to buy businesses? Uh, um, like, is it an opportunity? Is it worth it? So
2: statistically, uh, 27% of people who start their own business invest quarter of a million to half a million in building that business. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, Uh, The crisis of businesses is one in five fell in the first year, Mm -hmm. 50% in the first five, and 70% in the first 10 years. Well, if you could use that same investment capital of a quarter of a million or even a 100000 as a 10% down payment on guaranteed growth versus you investing into your hopeful future, which one would be more sound?
1: Yeah, the 10% into the...
2: That's right. So no matter where we are, if we're at the top or at the bottom, we probably invested more into what we're trying to grow than we could have into buying that growth for ourselves. So if I am at half a million or at a lower rate, the question is, can I build up enough cash flow to do a hyper jump, right? Because I could just go buy a million dollar company. All of a sudden, I'm in the money, right? I've got millions of dollars worth of revenue that I can tote around. I've got employees that can support me, that can help me grow these other challenging areas, right? But sometimes I didn't know that that was an
1: option. Yeah, that, and, and 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 you hit on the nail because uh, since I invest so much in technology, like if you were to say, what's my focus as a wealth manager? Like I understand technology and and we're delivering great results because of, uh, our focus around technology, and then I look sure. out at my clients I'm talking to from a financial planning standpoint, and and I've told a couple I was like I was like I was like you can just you can just cut out seventy percent of your revenue because it's not it's it's you're running the business like it's like it's two thousand and five. That's right. You know what I mean? That's right. Which which I'm like that's lots. if you buy a million dollar business and you can free up half a million in capital just because you're operating Some like old fashioned strategies. Right. Right. And
2: To your points, the two of the biggest uh, weak points in uh, privately held companies, especially when we're talking about the more aging community that we would be actually receiving those businesses from, is marketing and technology. And both of those are practically synonymously the same, Mm -hmm. right? To do anything marketing now, it's a technology kind of toolage that you're utilizing. So that is part of the beauty of the growth on the other side. If I'm coming into buying that company, then I get to instantly see that it's not much effort for me to create growth there because all I need to do is deploy marketing and technology. So it's also a part of how they create more value on the other side, right? How do I build where I should be or how do I create that more uh, valuable company that I'm looking for with the largest multiplicity of force these days next to debt or leverage is technology, Hmm. right? That's the only thing that we can wield and, you know, put many, many people between us, right? Uh, And that is one of the things that people have to get involved with, get active with, right? Uh, The digitization and adoption of new things. But that's also why this new generation who's able to extend this wealth transfer by acquiring companies could be very valuable in that space,
1: right? Mm, That's that's, that's what uh, uh, Robert Smith, I mean, that's... That's that's why he's the goat, I think, in, in 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 private equity right now at the at the high level. That's right. There's some guys out there, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I know a, a guy or two, and
2: Robert Smith is great, and he's more focused on venture, but he's also using venture and. Mergers and acquisition at the Intersect now. Yeah. So it kind of looks a little bit more private equity, yeah. uh, but he's using buying that cash flow and adding technology to yeah, it yeah. to make a faster growth cycle. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, man, let let everybody know. Uh, well, before, before we go there, anything else you want to share that you think the audience would be? Interested in knowing, man? You 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 drop some nuggets, man. You 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 you're, you're great at this, you know. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. No, I
2: just want to uh, let people know that there's an alternative, right? Uh, again, because that's how they would think of this, right? As an alternative investment, it's not going to be in their portfolio from a financial advisor. It's uh, something that could be passive if you want it to be, or what we call absenteeism, uh, or it could be where we start. Uh, to build, you know, whatever that mountain is that we want. So it's always great to uh, be invited out to talk a
1: little bit more, uh, and hopefully extend that knowledge path, right? Mm, definitely, definitely. We'll let everybody know how they can reach you if they want to connect with you and get get more thoughts on how to how to get started. Okay, absolutely. Well, uh, Capital Asset Advisors is uh, our
2: broker's brokerage where we have a buy and sell side on M and A. Uh, Real Estate and Technology. Uh, We are at that crossroads to make sure those companies are uh, doing great and growing. You can always contact me on LinkedIn, uh, uh, Xavier-Egan. Pretty straightforward to uh, find me. Uh, And I'm in this uh, great DFW, uh, working globally, uh, nationally or statewide, whatever you need.
0: Past performance is not indicative of future performance.